This message is brought to you by Emergence, a platform through which God is preserving and equipping a generation in the last days. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to day five of emergence it's been a lovely it's been a lovely uh journey since day one i've been personally blessed by the messages though i prepared those messages but then we know that it's god's word to us those messages are god's word to us they are the they are inspired by the holy spirit hallelujah so I, I I might not be able to do a recap from day one today because it's becoming much. If I have to do a recap from day one, two, three, four, we would have taken almost half of the time I was supposed to teach what we have today. So if you are listening to this message right now or you are watching this video from wherever you are watching from in the world, make sure that you get the messages from day one because today is day five. And then make sure you follow through all the day, all the way to day 14 hallelujah so yes we've been talking about how to get ourselves equipped against false teachers right we, we talked about those things yesterday we really dived into god's word god showed us how we should be equipped by his word how we how praying in tongues is one of our end time is one of god's end time strategy to keep a believer who would have known that praying in tongues had that kind of that kind of importance in the last days. Hallelujah. So no wonder God kept praying in tongues till after the death of Jesus. Hallelujah. God also showed us that there is also something called the believer's anointing. Hallelujah. Are we with me? There's, there's something called the believer's anointing that teaches. Hallelujah. So every believer has the ability to understand the Bible. So scripture says you would not need teachers. It does not mean that you don't need pastors or, or teachers generally to teach you the word. What it simply means is that you also have the ability to understand the Bible. Hallelujah. So today I want to talk to us about maturity. That's the title for tonight's message. It's called maturity. So first of all, why, why are we talking about maturity? Remember when we're, when we're going to talk about recognizing false teachers? We have to show ourselves from scripture that why do we need to recognize them? Why, what's the, what's the, what's the essence? Why, why is it useful? And we saw it from scripture that on several occasions, the Bible says, beware. It says it in Matthew 15. It says it in, um, Colossians 2, 7. It says it in several places that you should beware, beware, beware. Why? Because false teachers are coming. So if the Bible says beware, then that means we have to put some attention to it. So today, maturity. Why, uh, why is it important to talk about maturity where false teachers are concerned? As we go, as we dive into tonight's message, we'll see why it is important, why maturity is important, and from what perspective, really, do we want to talk about maturity from? And really, let me just put it in the right context. It's spiritual maturity, being mature in the spirit or being mature in the spirits of your mind, like Paul puts it. Hallelujah. So, what is growth? That's where I'll be starting from this evening. Growth. The word growth. What is growth? Hallelujah. So, growth is an increase in size, 
number, value, or strength. Are we listening? That is what it means to grow. When you say something is growing, we are saying that that thing is increasing in size, number, value, or strength. Hallelujah. It also means enlargement, expansion, increase, or increment. We, we all are, we are educated people. So the word growth in its most simplest form, we understand it. It means for something to increase, to enlarge. Hallelujah. So what's the significance of growth? When you talk about growth, then that means it is synonymous to maturity, right? It's synonymous to that word maturity. So what is the relationship? And really, what, what do we want to talk about tonight? I just want you to follow me very carefully. We will soon land. Hallelujah. So maturity. Maturity is the state of being ready or ripe. Are we listening? So you cannot get to the place of maturity except you, except um, without having grown. Do we get this? So we say growth is increment, increase. Hallelujah. Growth is increase in size, number, value, or strength, enlargement, expansion, increase, or increment. But we said maturity is the state of being ready or ripe. Do we get this? So maturity is a point, is a state. Yes, there's such, there's something, there's a such thing as maturing. But maturity being a state of being ready or ripe, that means you cannot get to the state of maturity if you have not been growing. Do we understand? So let's dive into our word, into the word very quickly. First Peter 1, 3. Glory be to God. First Peter chapter 1. Verse 3. See what it says. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has what begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I read it to you in the NLT. It says, All honor to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is by his boundless mercy that God has given us the privilege to be what? Born. Again, to be born again. Now we live with a wonderful expectation because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. Let's read John 1 13. So he says from verse 12, he says, But as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Verse 13 now says, Who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So, these two scriptures refer to the fact that as believers, at the point where, when we gave our lives to Christ, as the, at, the, at that point when we received Jesus Christ into our life, it likens us to what happens in a labor room when you give birth to a baby. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 3, as we've read, and John 1, 13, that we were born the key word there is that we were born. The again there simply means that you were born by your natural mother, but at the point when you gave your life to Christ, God was the one that now gave birth to you. So you were born the second time. That's what it means you were born again. Hallelujah. So it likens us to what happens in the labor room. Are we following me? That means in the spirit, we are likened to children. 
not by reason of stature or size, but as a reason of alignment to the thoughts of God. Let me, let me go ahead of myself. So, we have been born as babes, but we shouldn't remain as babes. Let me explain what I mean. So, when somebody gets born again, it is true that they are children. And where, where is the childlikeness? Where, where does the childlikeness or the childishness, as the case may be, reside? It's not in the fact that when we, when we were, when we got born again, that in our spirit man, we were crawling. We were not crawling in the spirit. You know why? Because, uh, the Bible says that whoever is of Christ is one spirit with him. Do we get this? It's called the regenerated human spirit. So it's not as though we were crawling in the spirit. Do we understand this? What it simply means, you see, when you got born again, this night is going to be a very, very interesting night because I will flow into many things I did not plan. So see this. When you got born again, where the issue was, where the, where the fundamental problem was, was your spirit man. Because you were not born of God in the spirit. So the Bible calls us children of wrath by nature. Okay? So when you got born again, your flesh did not change. Your complexion did not change. When you got born again, a new year cut did not come on your head magically. You see? Also, when you got born again, your thinking did not just change at that moment. The day you got born again was not the day you started believing that you've been healed by the stripes of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's the mind. Where something changed was your spirit man. Do we understand this? And you need to understand that your spirit man is actually, would I use the word perfect now? Your spirit man does not need any growing up in that sense. Because when God, when, when God, when God touched your spirit man, when you got born again, it was like what God did to Adam when he created him. Adam was created a full grown man. Do we understand? So it's not like in our spirit we were crawling. What it means is this. When you got born again, your flesh did not change. Yes, maybe you might have been Maybe it's possible that somebody was sick at the point where, when he got born again. But what happens then is that, you see, God can heal your flesh at the point where you get born again. But that's not where the being born again happens. The being born again does not happen in your flesh. So when you got born again, you did not change from being a Nigerian to being an American. Your complexion did not change. Where all the problem now remains is in our minds. Do we get this? Paul says we should not be conformed to the word. Let me tell you what spiritual growth means in the simplest form of it is that you begin to think the way God thinks or you begin to think the way the Bible thinks in every ramification. And when I'm talking, when I'm referring to thinking, I'm not just saying thinking on your your calculative minds alone. I'm saying that when the revelation of who God is and what his word says begin to get impressed and imprinted on your, on your mind, then your outflow will just, will just align. Because as he thinketh in his heart, so, it, so is he. 
Do we understand? Jesus Christ says, out of the heart flows the issues of life. So this is what it means. When God recreated your spirit, when you were born again, your spirit man was, was taken back to where it was at the foundation of the world. When God created man at the foundation of the world, do you understand this? Your spirit man was taken back to that level. The Bible says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. It says in Colossians Colossians 3. It says, if then you are risen with Christ, then set your minds, what? Above where Christ is. Where Christ is seated. Do you understand this? So your spirit man really is, is not in a deformed state. So when the Bible is saying you should grow, what it is saying in essence is that take your mind to the level where your spirit is. Do we get this? So really, when we are referring to spiritual growth, it is that somebody has begun to think and act like his spirit. Do we get this? The nature of God that is in your spirit man is beginning to reflect on your mind and at last it will reflect on how you behave on the outside. In everything, I don't want you to limit it. Whether it's character, whether it's values, whether it's how you deal with situations in your life, whether it's how you manifest God's power and God's wisdom, everything. That's why God was saying in Isaiah 55 that my ways are higher than your ways. My, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, as the heavens are higher than the earth. It is not saying that it is impossible to get to where God is. What it simply means is that spiritual growth does not end. Because your mind will keep on rising and rising and rising and keep rising and keep rising and keep growing and keep growing. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when Paul was saying, do not be conformed to the, to the world, what gets conformed to the world is not your body. What gets conformed is your what? Your mind. You see, many Christians, the devil is beating them black and blue and just molesting them simply because of the state of their minds. And you see, the, the, the human mind is, is, is I, I, I call it the greatest force on the earth. If you educate your mind aright, if you educate your mind with God's word, you can do anything. You see, where revelation really dawns, it's not in your spirit. Where revelation dawns is what? In your mind. Or let me put it right, in your heart. So Peter said, until the, said we have a, a word from God that we do well to take it off until the day star arises and dawns in our heart. So when Revelation, when you are reading your Bible and you just burst out and say, wow, I can never be sick again. What is happening, really, is that that thing just became real to you as this table is real here. Do we get what we are saying? So the more you fellowship with God, the more you read his word, and you fellowship with other Christians, when we are talking spiritual growth, what is really happening is that your mind is being washed and rewashed and recalibrated to how God planned it from the beginning. Do we get this? Because being born again, that happened in an instant. But you see, your mind, because we all, you know, we, we've, we all got born again at different times in our, of our lives, right? We, we were born as a clean slate. Everything we know, we learned. So also, the renewing of your mind, that is how it will happen. It will not happen just once like that. And it will take some reading and meditating and fellowship. Do we get this? So let's continue. We have been born as babes, but we shouldn't remain as babes. Let's go to Ephesians 4.
Ephesians 4 from verse 13. Now, we're beginning to enter where this whole maturity thing begins to relate with what emergence is about. These false teachers, you know, of a thing. So, verse 13, it says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. That word perfect, there's the word mature. Let me read it to you in the Amplified. That it might develop until we all attain oneness to the faith and the comprehension of the full accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive at really mature manhood. You see this? Maturity. So now I'm back in KJV. um, To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14 now says, listen to what verse 14 says, that we should no longer be what? Children. Are we following me? KJV says that we be no more children. NLT says that we no longer be like children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Can you see where this thing is now coming in now? By the trickery of men. In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. When we got born again, the truth is that we all were spiritual babes. Huh? And now we get the concept of the concept of being a spiritual babe. So when somebody got born again and he was still sinning, it's not that he is crawling in the spirit. What's just happening is that his mind has not yet realized the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus yet. We see this. That is what makes him a babe. So knowledge really is what we are talking about. And that was what we talked about yesterday and day before yesterday, right? So the Bible is saying that when you go born again, it's okay to be a babe. But it is dangerous and detrimental to remain a babe. Do you understand what I'm saying? It will be dangerous and detrimental to remain a babe. Why? Because the Bible says we should no more be like children, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Do we get what I'm trying to say here? So, spiritual babes are such that they do not know the truth yet, or they've been exposed to the truths of God's word. Huh? Now, in the sincerity of, of, a, of a spiritual babe, you just got born again, but you don't know much yet. In, in, in God's mercy, God will keep you and shield you. But if at a point, a person refuses to grow, it becomes detrimental and dangerous for that person, especially in the last days. So spiritual growth is not how long a person has spent in church. Do we get this? Spiritual growth is how much truth of God's word you know and you are living in and you are convicted about. Because it says being tossed tall and what? And fro. Let's quickly read the scripture. Is it here? No, it's not. Colossians 2 from verse 6. So, when we're telling people, read your Bible, study, come to church, it's really for their own good. 
Do we get this? Because in the last days, you would not last. If, for some reason, you've gotten to a point where your spiritual growth is no more a priority to you. You see this? Because the Bible says in the cunning craftiness of men. Do we understand this? Now, see what Colossians 2 says. Now, you know, Ephesians 4 refers to wind, right? Wind. Now, see 6, verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Verse 7. Rooted and built up. Rooted and built up in him and established. You see this? That as a Christian, you need to get some root. There, you, at some point, maybe you were just being fed and you were being fed the word. You were being fed the word. At some point, you should be the one cooking your own spiritual meal. I mean, a full-blown message. You don't have to write anything down, but you are studying and you are growing. This is how you know you are growing. You begin to know things, the truth, and you begin to act the truth. Because being childlike, children, what the ways you know children is in how they talk and how they behave. So when you know the truth, things about you begin to change. It's not in natural age of people. Do we get this? It's in how much of God you've inculcated into your mind, really. How much of, of the truth of God. It's beyond quoting. People can quote things. Are you acting on the word? Do we get this? Is, is spiritual growth a priority? And I've learned that, really, spiritual growth, you can take yourself higher and higher and keep on going higher. Why do you think people have retreats? <laughs> it's true. You just separate yourself and just go and feed. You know, you get messages, audio messages. You get many of it. You'd have, you'd have known places of scripture that you want to just read and feed on. And then you go with books, spiritual books. And you just tell your friends and your people that you won't see me for a week. You can't come back and remain the same. Especially when you focus on one topic. Say you want to focus on faith, for instance. And then you come back and... Things that used to hold you down before, you just begin to see them as, as fairy fairer. Do we get this? You see, many Christians, they just struggle unless, sometimes, why some Christians struggle is not really because the devil is on their case, it's because of their immaturity. Do we, do we understand what I'm saying? It's because they've refused to know more truth of God's word. Jesus Christ said, whom the Son set free, is free in what? Indeed. That's what happens when you get born again. But the same Jesus now says in John 8, 31. He says, if you are my disciples, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you are my disciples indeed. 32 now says, you sh and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So there's, there's a difference between setting free and making free. Setting free is when you get born again. Making free is what you do for yourself by feeding on truth. Do we get this? James said, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's where truth comes from. You see, your spiritual growth. Let, let's continue. See this. It is not bad to be a babe, really, because we all would have been babes at some point or the other. Do we understand this? But this is where the problem is. It is dangerous to remain 
a spiritual babe in the last days, it is dangerous. It is dangerous. And the thing with spiritual maturity is, God is the one that will call you mature. You don't call yourself mature. The moment you start telling yourself that you are mature, you start... Do you understand what I'm saying? Because as newborn babes, desire the... So whether you are a newborn babe or not, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow because we all keep on growing. Do we understand what, what, what I'm saying? So as newborn babes. So what got you to this point of maturity is the same thing that will get you to the next point of maturity and it's basic. The word and fellowship. Are we getting my point? So it is, it is Ephesians 4.14. Let's go back to that Ephesians. So it says, uh, it says that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. This is what he's saying. You know that we are saying that false teachers will rise in the, false, in the last days, right? And the Bible is saying they will be deceitful. It, it even says that deceitful plotting. In other words, they will plan for those that they know that are not mature. People that are gullible. Children, do you know that it's very easy to entice children? Very, very easy to entice children. It's the same thing with spiritual immaturity. They can give you something. They can just give you a nice topic. A nice topic for their message. They know you will listen. And because you, if that person is immature, that person is a child, you just listen to the message and you take in everything, hook, line, and sinker. Because like we said yesterday, they know that you will not go home to go and check it again like the Berean Christians. Do you get what I'm saying? Or it also says that you'll be carried about, by, you'll be carried to and fro by every wind of doctrine. In other words, spiritual babes are such that they want to listen to everything and just feed from everywhere. It's not like that. Paul said, though you have many instructors in Christ, you have just one father. Do we get what I'm saying? The Bible says in the last days, people will have itchy ears. Itchy ears. In other words, they will hear something in their church. They will go to another church. Have you seen people that just jump from church to church, from church to church, from church? They have itchy ears. It's a sign of spiritual immaturity. You should be able to sit down in one place. You are not carried about by, they said, ah, this is the next reigning preacher. You listen. Ah, this is the next reigning preacher. You listen. This man is trending on Twitter. You listen. You like this one's comment. You are listening to everybody. You are listening to junks. You don't know who is correct. You don't know who is wrong. You don't know who has a solid ministry. You don't know who doesn't have a solid ministry. It's a sign of spiritual immaturity. And in the last days, the Bible clearly shows us here, and I'm going to show you other scriptures, that one of the things that false teachers always plan for are people that they know that are children. Babes that have refused. Now, this is the thing. You will now be wondering that what then is the hope of people who are genuine Christian babes? What then is the hope of people who are genuine spiritual babes? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because, I mean, the day I get born again, I'm all, I, that day, at least, even if it's just for that day, I will remain a spiritual babe. See, God knows how to keep his own. But what then happens to people who have this go to grow? Let's just read one more scripture. Let's keep going before I get there. First Thessalonians 4. So I like to show people things from several places in scripture. 
First Timothy 4. Verse 1, it says this. It says, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with hot iron, forbidding to, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to receive with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Uh, go to Romans 16. Probably missed that there. Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. Aha. This is it. It says, now I urge you, brethren. You know, we've we've read this scripture before concerning false teachers, right? It says, now I urge you, brethren, not those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. 18 says, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by, see this, by smooth words, and what? Flattering speech deceives the heart of the who? The simple. In other words, gullible, a.k.a. babes. NLT. NLT says, such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interest. By smooth talk and glowing words, they, de- they, they deceive innocent people. Let me tell you something. The, the truth, really, in Christianity is that your spiritual growth is your responsibility. The only kind of growth that happens passively is biological growth. And really, you feed too. <laughs> but it looks like you're not, you just eat and then you grow. You can't really tell when your height changes, right? But you see, every, every other aspect of growth would take some work and some investment. Do we get this? Cristiano Ronaldo did not just start playing free kicks like that. He invested his time into it. Have you seen the way some people play video games? Those are are days of sleepless nights upon sleepless nights upon YouTube videos. YouTube videos and, you know, watching all kinds of things. Going to game house and not even playing, just watching and just, just watching. That's how it, everything. Now, it's now left to you. Which area do you want to grow? But I think spiritual growth should be everybody's priority, right? Isn't it? So, it says that these people deceive the simple, the babes. And you will see this thing that keeps occurring. What is that thing that keep, that keeps occurring? Flattering words. Smooth words. It's in Ephesians 4. It's in Romans 16. Flattering words, flattering words. See, this thing will be very common in the last days. See, you need to know that the efficacy of a message is not in how cool the title is. Are we getting what I'm trying to say? How cool a message is, or how good a message is, is not in how how funny the title is. 
do you understand what I'm trying to say? If you have titled the the the, the message, if Paul titled the message he preached in in First Thessalonians, Thessalonians three, what do you think you would have called it? <laughs> the last days are dangerous. See, I'm just trying to give you an example that. Let's leave that point. Let's let's leave those kind of biblical things behind. Yeah, what, what makes us the message is, you know, what the title sounds like. You know, the the the, the beauty of prosperity in a believer's life. Is it good? It's okay. I'm just saying, see, these people are flattering words. I want it to sink into you that they will have flattering words. You read the whole of your Bible. Some parts of the Bible are sweet. Some parts of the Bible will literally look like it is eating something on your head. I'm telling you. Because Paul said to Timothy, listen to this, and this is how the Bible operates. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, he said, teach the word. Exhort. Correct. Let's read it. So, some messages would not be palatable. So, we need to get, uh, get off that, that place of, you know, we, ah, if, we, if we speak the truth, they might just leave church and not come back again. Good for them. Okay, not good for them, but as long as we don't mix the, the gospel with condemnation, as long as we don't mix the Bible with condemnation. See, it's okay to preach a message that corrects. Do we get this? It's okay to preach a message that instructs. I must, I must find that place. I must look, I must find that scripture. Four eleven. Okay. Okay. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth. Let me look for it. 12. 1 Timothy 4 12. Let no one despise your youth, but an example of verse 13. Till I come, give attention to reading, exhortation, doctrine. Do not. Let me look for it by myself. He said, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. See what the word does, the preaching of the word. He says, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So the title of a message does not have to be flattering. It does not have to appeal to how you feel. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why do you think many of the times the Pharisees and the Sadducees struggled with some of the things Jesus Christ said? Because it was not palatable to how they felt. The preaching of God's word sometimes will make you shout, Glory! Preach it, pastor! But sometimes you will sit down and you will be thinking. Because Paul said, there's a sorrow unto death, there's a sorrow unto repentance. That's what he said. That's what the Bible says. There is a sorrow unto death. There is a sorrow unto repentance. Do we get this? 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, when an unbeliever comes before you, the intent, and when an unbeliever comes amongst you, the intents of his heart are revealed and he falls down on his knees and acknowledges that Jesus Christ is, is, is God and he repents by himself. Do we get what I'm saying? So, in the last days, if you are, it's not only flattering and cool preachings we'll be looking for in that sense. Because babies always look for things that are sweet. But we are the ones that know that some drugs are bitter, but it's good for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, one of the strategies of these false teachers is to take advantage of babes. The unstable and the unconvicted. Because what makes us mature, what makes us grounded, it's our convictions. 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 Let's, let's read 2 Peter 2.14. Second Peter 2.14. Okay. Talking about forty. It says, Having eyes full of adultery and cannot cease from sin, enticing what? Unstables. Let me give you another translation. It said, They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. NLT says, they commit adultery with their eyes and their lust is never satisfied. They make a game of luring unstable people into sin. Remember the three's message. They first of all defile people's consciences and they teach them to become confident in sin. Are we getting what I'm saying here? They have adultery. Insatiable for sin. They beguile and, and bait and lure away unstable souls. Who are unstable souls? People who have not experienced Colossians 2 7, rooted and built up. So, wind. You see all these things? Wind. The Bible is very careful with words. Carried about by every wind of what? Doctrine. Wind of doctrine. Hallelujah. Go to Romans. Okay, we've read Romans 16 17 before. He said they are deceiving who? The simple. The simple. So in the last days, we, you know, I told you, emergence has a plan. We have a mandate. Equip and preserve. So we didn't just say, ah, maturity is a good message to preach. Maturity. Is the, we, we can see the correlation of this thing. It is that in the last days, if you have chosen, and really, why is it that God, because we call people babes. If somebody is a babe, they are supposed to be guarding that baby, right? But see how spiritual maturity differs from natural maturity. See this. Your spiritual growth is your responsibility. Are we listening to this? Your spiritual growth is your responsibility. You know, one day I was having my bath and the Holy Spirit told me that in the last days, ignorance will not be an excuse. I said, why? He said, because everybody has the Bible. I said, oh, he said, yes. Do we get what I'm saying? In the last days, because the Bible says many will fall away. The love of many will wax cold. He said people will be lured away. He said people will be lured into perdition. What is perdition? Perdition simply means rebellion. Why? Because they're unstable, but it's not be an excuse. Because we all have the Bible. See? God has given us, I always say that the Bible is the purest form of information on the face of the earth. 
not mixed with anybody's emotions or opinions. Just the thoughts of God. Do we get this? Do we understand this? So your spiritual growth is your responsibility. Not first your pastor's responsibility. Not first your mentor's responsibility. So it's at your own detriment if you remain as a babe. The Holy Spirit will not come and pull you and sit you down and tell you to read your Bible. Your pastor might do that, but he can't keep on doing that. How do I know? Go to Hebrews 5. So there is a time frame where you are your pastor's liability. But at a point, your pastor expects that you too should have been teaching other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hebrews 5 from verse... Where did we start from? Let's go and start from verse 11. See what, see what it says. It says they will perish. Oh, sorry, I'm reading the wrong chapter. 5. From verse 11. He says, of whom we have much to say. The whom he was talking about here is Jesus Christ. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing. Does this sound like simple? Does this sound like unstable? He says, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing. Listen to this. He said, for though. In other words, because. For though by time. I told you there's a time frame where you can become your pastor's liability. But at some point in time, you should be teaching other people. Let's go on. He said, for though by this time, you ought to be teachers. By now, we expect you to already become teachers. He said, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the word of God. And you have come to need of milk and not of solid what? food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. Does that sound like mature? Amplified. But solid food is for full-grown men. And listen, it is only solid food that can keep you in the last days. Not the, not the conflicts of God's word. Not the noodles of God's word but some solid swallow, meat, bone of the word. Do we get what I'm saying? It says solid. So, we want to give you solid meat of the word to chew. But we expect you that you would have fit fed on milk to a point where we now see that you are fit to be eating meat. That means your growth is your responsibility. By this time, we expect that you are already teachers, but you still need us to be teaching you the first principles. Listen, there are things called first principles of the oracles of God. Some things are really first principles of the oracles of God. Do we get this? Because in the last days, the last days, I, I, I hope that, because I've not been able to, it's not here to teach if I open up some scriptures to you about the last days, you realize that you can't be reading, in the last days, you can't be reading, God wants me to be rich. I mean, things that will ground you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Things that will get you rooted and grounded, built up, established in the faith. Because faith, you know, is not, 
Faith, faith, we've come to define that word, faith, as I believe I receive. Faith is more than that. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's default. Faith is more than I believe I receive. Drak, Meshach, and Abednego. What happened? They said, we'll throw you inside fire if you don't do what? Bow. They said, we know that our God is able to what? Deliver us. Does that sound like faith? Our God is able to deliver us. But then I said, but even if he does not, if we are teaching faith, we'll say that's doubt. You don't say even if he does not, because that's doubt. They said, even if he does not, we are ready to die. That's the real work of faith. Because faith grounds you. There is a, the first dimension of faith. The first dimension of faith is, I believe God, I receive. But in the last days, you can't be, be doing that. In the last days, we will use faith for what faith really is for. Faith is for grounding you. Why? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, he said, I was in the deep three days. I was being beaten. I was doing all, they were doing all of these things to me. They were persecuting me. I was almost killed. Even said there was a time where I considered myself what? Dead. But I believe that he that raised from the dead would do what raised us from the dead. We have the same spirit of faith. We believe and therefore we The whole chapter was full of persecutions and all of that. What did he say at the end? Verse 18. He said, how did I go through all these things? We, looking not at things that are what? Sin. But things that are what? Unseen. For things that are seen are temporal. Things that are not seen are eternal. Does that sound like faith? What's the definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1? Substance of what? Things not seen. Paul said, how I went through all these situations was that I could see things in the unseen realm. That's faith. Do we get this? So, Lord, give me a car. I confess, confess one year. It's okay. It's good. It builds you. It builds you, but you can't stay there. You see, there's, there's, there's oh God, help me. There's, there's some level of persecution huh, that comes or that is coming that you can't be thinking bread and bread. Imagine if the disciples of Jesus Christ, all they were thinking was God, give us, give us, give us. Are you saying they didn't have faith? Or you think James or Stephen that were Matthias did not have faith? Let's continue. So Paul said that your spiritual growth, we expect that at this time, you should already be teachers, but you need someone to still teach you what? The first principles of the oracles of God. So at, there is a time when it's okay to be your pastor's liability. There's a time when it's okay to be your mentor's liability, but at some point you will sit down with your Bible and search the scriptures what? For yourself. The Bible says in in Acts 17.10, it said the Berean Christians, they did what? They stretched the scriptures night and day. All night. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because there's no growth without knowledge, sir. Do you understand? Now, go to 2 Peter 3.18. The same thing. He says, but you. Let me read it to you from verse 17. So you see what he's saying. Verse 17 says, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware. You see this word again. Do we get this thing? 
This was the word we saw like five or four scriptures on, on the third day of emergence, right? It says, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own words, from your own steadfastness, being led away with what? Are we reading it? The error of wickedness. What is error? Error is wrong teaching. Did we read uh, uh, Revelations 2 when it talked about the error of, of who? The ba- error of Bala. Another word for false doctrine really is error or heresy. Do we get this? It says, being led away with the error of the wicked. He now puts a colon. He now says, but you, grow in grace and what? Knowledge of our Lord Jesus, of, of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, one of the ways you can keep yourself is that you make your spiritual growth a priority. Do we understand this? You can decide that this month, I want to grow to a certain point. I've never prayed, I've never prayed one hour to go. I will do it. Lock your door. Parate, you sleep, you sleep, you wake up. At, at some point, it will just become your normal. At some point, you'll not be saying, I think I should try 10 hours. It's growth. People don't, don't just get there. Do we get what I'm saying? And growth is even more than those things. Growth is consistency. Growth is perseverance. Oh, we will need some perseverance in the last days. Yeah. Yeah. We need some perseverance. And that happens by what? Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, there's one more thing I want to talk about. I'll talk about two things now. That when we're talking about spiritual growth as related to false teachers, there are many, many things you can talk about where spiritual growth is concerned. The first thing I want to talk to you about is convictions. Did we hear that word? Convictions. See, many Christians don't have convictions. Some people are not convicted. They, don't, they are not persuaded of the things that they themselves say. And when false teachers come, when the persecution of the last days come, when the tests of the last days come, or even the normal tests of life, because James said, count it all joy. When you fall into that, he didn't say if, he said when. You fall into diverse trials and temptations. So, whether it's the test and trials of the last days or the test and trials in a normal person's life, what will be tested are not the surface things on your mind, but your convictions. Do we get what I'm saying? Second Peter 2.14 Having eyes <laughs> full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. Enticing unstable souls. An unstable soul. Is it unstable? They are, they are not quite sure of the things they are convicted about. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. And I am what? Persuaded. That he is able to keep the things I have committed to him. Until that day. Do we get? Persuaded. That no matter what can happen, there's something in your 
that cannot be changed. Do we get what I'm saying? That no matter what anybody... See, there are some convictions that should enter your life, not because of any pastor's preaching, but because of you, your one-on-one experience with God. Do we get what I'm saying? Nobody can come and tell Peter that Jesus Christ does not help people in their problems. Because when he was sinking, nobody can come and tell Peter that when God gives you a word, it does not work. When Jesus Christ told him, come. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your convictions will not span from the pulpit. Your convictions will come from, you studied it, it happened for you, and you experienced it. First John 1, 1. That which was from the beginning, which you have what? Seen. First level. No. Which you have heard. First level. So, you were preached to, or you heard a message or something. He said, which we have seen. Second level. You know, he said heard. Then I said, they preached to you, then you now went to what? Read it. He now said, which we have looked upon. So, there's a difference between seeing and looking upon. That's why James said, he that looketh into. Not see. So look upon means you now caught the revelation. He now said, which we have handled of the word of life. Handled there now means that that word produced in your personal life. Nobody can collect it from you again. That's what we're saying when we're saying convictions. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's just read that place and just. First John 1 1. That which was from the beginning which we have heard. Stay at the level of herd, they will collect it from you. Ah, oh my God. Do we get what I'm saying? If you stay at the level of just hearing, they will, that's why the Berean Christians, they said after they heard Paul and Silas preach, the Bible says they went to check if those things were true. Therefore, they believed. Same thing happened with the woman at the well. When the woman went to preach, come and see a man, come and see a man. The Bible says they came to hear the word of Jesus. And then they believed. You cannot stop. Hearing is good though. The Bible says, how shall they hear? Except the what? The hear preacher. You see this? So you should hear. Because faith comes by. But you can't stop there. When you hear, you go and go home and what? He said, which you have heard? Which you have seen. Second level. Study. You are checking it. You are checking it. In that which we have Looked upon revelation breaks forth in your heart, but you don't stop at revelation. You know why? Because James says it's not only the hearer of the word that is blessed, but the what? The doer. So when you, you know, some people, the amount of rev they have in this life, ah, in fact, they are irreverent by themselves because of that revelation. Are you, but to act on the word because. Just getting revelation and doing whoosh, glory does not change your situation. It's when you act on what you know. Do you get what I'm saying? So you've read, 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 read that just Christ has given you authority. You get it, Then you stand up and speak to that sickness. That's what faith is. Because faith does. Faith what? Acts. Paul said as the flesh is dead without the spirit. So is what? Faith dead without works corresponding works. Do we get what I'm saying? So, it is at that point where he now says, which we have handled. So, he was not even talking about concerning the word of life. 
So he was not talking about human being. He was talking about the word of God. That this thing is tested and tried. It works. Sir. It is those kind of convictions that we are talking about. Not, the only, not that everything you know is only what comes from the pulpit. Ah, they will collect it from you. You know why? Paul was telling them in Hebrews. He said, we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but we believe to the saving of the soul. Do you know what he was saying there? You know, we always quote that verse and refer to, ah, don't give up on your faith. You've been confessing this thing for one year. Ah, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. Yes, it's true. It's applicable. But what he was saying, go and study that please. The Christians that he was writing the book of Hebrews to, they were being persecuted and tortured to renounce Christ. That's it. So he was convincing them that we know the hope of the end time and what is after this life. In that sense, we are not of them that draw back unto rebellion, perdition. In other words, renouncing Christ. But we believe to the saving of our souls. That's what he was saying. Do you, do you, do you get this? Your convictions have to be strong. If they ask somebody to kneel down now, huh? see this thing, it's, what I'm about to say now is going to look a bit graphical. But we have to start being in the reality of these things because this is how, this is in the situation that some people live their Christian life on a normal basis. Do you get what I'm saying? Paul said we are accounted as sheep for slaughter every day. Do you get what I'm saying? Some Christians live their, when, when they see some of us, the way we live their, our Christian life, they smile. They say, is this, this the same Christianity? Do we get this? So I was about to say that if somebody was told to kneel down here, a Christian, and he kneels down and puts his two hands behind his head, and they point a gun behind his head, and say, renounce Christ, I let you live. Or say, you are for Christ, I shoot you. It's very easy, but what will save you there will be your conviction. That's when you will, now be, you will now tell yourself that heaven is real, heaven is real, that you've been saying. It's at that point. Do you get what I'm saying? Because if heaven is real to you, and if truly you believe that heaven is better than this earth, it will be a joy to you. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? So people are shouting, heaven is the goal, heaven is the goal. But can they survive that kind of thing? Because the truth of that matter is, in that kind of situation, if you renounce Christ, God is merciful, but there's nothing he can do. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 6, 6, by the words of your mouth, you are ensnared. By the words of your mouth, you are entrapped. How did you get born again? Your mouth. How will you? Your mouth. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? So God is so merciful, he does not want us to go through those kind of things. That's why he's preparing us at full time. So we are telling people, let your conviction, this, um, by stripes I'm healed, by stripes I'm healed. Do you actually truly believe it? If you believe it, please act on it. So that your convictions can be strong. I know the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for my sake he became poor. Have you acted on that thing before? You wanted to call, did you actually say, okay, this thing, I will try and see if it works. Do you know that many times, it's because we don't act on the word, that's why we don't ask questions. Because if you act on God's word and it does not work, you would actually go back to God and say, God, what was wrong? Was it me or your, or your word? See, God will not send you away. The Bible says he does not, he upbraided not. God will tell you, this is where you missed it. The day you act on it and it works, the joy will not be in the material thing or whatever it is. It will be in the fact that I handled the word. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know? 
The joy will be that I undo the word and it works. Oh, the word works. Someone say the word works. It works so. Believing and acting on God's word works. 100%. Do we get this? Now, convictions. Hebrews 6.19, quickly. Let's just read this one and go to the next one and then we'll end for tonight. Oh, we bless your name, Lord. Hebrews 6.19. It says this hope. Convictions. Are we, are we listening to this? It says this hope we have of the soul. Both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Let me read it to you from verse 17. It says, Thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a what? A what? A strong consolation, conviction. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have at an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into the presence behind the veil. Conviction. Do we see this? That there is something called the anchor of your soul. Do you understand what I'm saying? I hope you know that one of the things that anchored Jesus Christ on the cross was that he was convinced that there is a greater glory coming. Do you know? One of the things that made, yes, it was love. Love, because he wanted to save us. One other thing was that there was a conviction. You know, Jesus Christ was there as a man. He had no memory of when he was in heaven. He had no natural memory of when he was. He read this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me. He read it in the Bible and He believed it. You, you know what I'm saying? These were prophecies that had been written about Him hundreds of years ago. If everything He knew that was that He had a memory of when it was, it would have been unfair. Because Jesus Christ is our what? Our example. Everything He read it. So the greater glory that He was, he was looking onto. He read it in the books of the prophets. He read it. Do you get what I'm saying? So, when he was on the cross, one of the things that was anchoring him was that he knows that if he goes down to Shoal, Shoal is hell, he will rise up and go back to the right in his conviction. So, they wanted to stone Stephen. And Stephen, the Bible says, he, look, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he smiled and said, into your hands I commit my spirit. Paul said, I have run the race. I have fought the good fight of faith. And there is therefore laid for me a crown of righteousness that will be given to me until that day. Do you know that Paul was bearded? It was when he said, I'm ready to go. That was when he... Do you get what I'm saying? Conviction. Now let's move to the next thing. The next thing is this. Discernment. It comes with maturity. And I like this one because this one really speaks to some of the things we are talking about. Discernment. 
What, 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 what are we trying to say when we say discernment? Go back to that, go back to that Hebrews, Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5 from verse 12. of heaven. Thank you. Now, we've read it before, right? It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not of solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a what? He is a babe. See 14. 14 now says this, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern. This one is not discernment of spirits. Are we getting what I'm saying? This one is, is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's something that comes with spiritual maturity. The Bible says you discern between good and evil. When the Bible uses the word discern, that means it is not something that can happen with your physical senses. Because they will give us nice titles. They will dress in a way that we know that we like. They will dress in a way that they know that we like. So when the Bible says discern, you know, when the Bible even talks about discernment of spirits, normally, it gives you an idea of it's not something that happens by your natural five senses. It's a spiritual thing. So this one also, being able to discern between good and evil is something that comes with maturity that when somebody is preaching, you might not be able to judge by scripture, but something on your inside just know that something is not right here. Do you remember yesterday's message? When we said when you pray in tongues often, that there's something on your inside that just begins to react to wrong teachings and wrong doctrines and doctrines of demons. Do you understand this? It's the same thing. You, there's a point of maturity you get to that you can discern. Hear me, it is not a natural thing. It is discernment. It is discernment. And it comes by maturity. I haven't studied over time that word. How do I know that mat- um, discernment comes with maturity? Now, it did not say you are discerning between a good spirit and a bad spirit. It didn't say you are discerning where the Holy Spirit is leading you. You can just discern good and evil. First Kings 3. See what Solomon said here. First Kings 3, 7. Now, Solomon said, Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am what? I am a little child. And I do not know how to come in, how to go out, how to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people who are a chosen, who are, you, you have chosen a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give your servant an understanding how to judge your people that I may what? So he said, God, I'm a child. I cannot what? Discern. Help me discern. That means discernment is something that comes with what? Maturity. Not being able to discern is something that comes with childlikeness. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do we get this? That when you take your spiritual growth as your priority, there comes a time where in the, in the last days, you have some level of immunity. 
to the tactics and gimmicks of false teachers. How many of us have learned a lot of things about false teachers since day one? Because this thing is, is real low. Because the Bible does not lie. When the Bible gives us prophecies at four time, prophecies that look in, in a sense like it's something bad, it's because it wants us to see at four time and prepare for it. And even the preparation, you will still find it in scripture. Do we, do we get what Because they have been, um, John said, we know that there have been many antichrists and there will be what? Antichrist. So, there have been many antichrists who are a type of the real antichrist that is coming. Also, false teachers, there have been false teachers in the past because there were false teachers in their days. But there is coming an era where false teachers, will, there, will be, there will be many on the earth. They will fill social media, they will fill villages, they will fill cities. And they are planning to. Because the kingdom of darkness, you see, one thing you must understand about the kingdom of darkness is that it's a kingdom of rebellion. That's why they are called Babylon. Uh, you should not miss the 13. Glory to God. It's a kingdom of rebellion. That's why they are called Babylon. So they, their operation is similar to the operation of the church. And I'll show you. But not today. The operation of Babylon is very similar to the way the church operates. Do you understand this? So they are strategic. That is what I'm trying to get at. They are strategic. So if we are not built, let it keep on ringing that the Bible says many will fall away. Many will fall after their, their deceptive doctrines. Do we understand this? Hallelujah. So our discernment must be sharp in this season. Discernment. We, it must be sharp. We are not, you shouldn't be judging a preacher because his trouser is big. And at the same time, you shouldn't be judging a preacher because he looks, you know, he looks pink. None of those things work. Because if you, if they know that the kinds of preachers that appeal to you are the ones that wear big suits and dagger-like ties, they will come in big suits and dagger-like ties. Do you get what I'm saying? And if they know that the kinds of preachers you like are those ones that wear Chelsea boots and rib jean, they will study you and say, okay, let's go in, in Nikes and, and some denim. Are you following what I'm saying? Neither of those things work. What works is discernment. Is that when they come, you just, discernment, uh, 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 hallelujah. <laughs> People need to hear this. Because the last days, can we read Matthew 24 and just close? Just, we will not explain anything. We will just read it and close. Because there are many things concerning the end time in scripture. The book of Daniel, the book of Joel, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 John, Peter, several. But you see, where are all those things? You will find, so Jesus Christ has a chapter for everything. And it's Matthew 24. It's a go-to. Let's go. So I just want to give you a picture of the last days. I'm, I'm trusting God that day 13 and 14, I'll be able to say some things concerning the last days. And maybe we should just, maybe we'll just dive in fully on how the events of the last days will unfold. But let's just read Matthew 24. Are we ready? 
It says, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? As surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall, be not, that shall not be thrown down. Verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age, or end of the world? And Jesus answered and said to them, number one, take it and do what? Take it that no one what? Deceives you. NKJV says what? You see that word again. Take it. Beware. Verse 5. For many will come in my name, saying I am the Christ, and I will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. Who is the you there? The who? The believers. Okay, so let's just continue. And they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Verse 11. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. There's an era of false teachers. There's an era of false prophets. But let's continue. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. That's faith. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, ha, yeah, yeah, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of the house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter and the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulations, such as had not been seen in the beginning of the world until this time, no, not ever shall be. And unless those days be what? Shortened. No flesh will be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look here, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders. To deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if you, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner room, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven. Then all tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels to the great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these signs, know that it is near at the doors. Let's just finish here. Just Christ, when you see all these signs, know that what the end is near. What did this start with? Take heed 
do not be deceived. As we end today's message, what I end the number one thing that will precede the events of the last days is the imagine of who? False teachers. God bless you. See you tomorrow as we continue unfolding and unfolding. The preceding message was brought to you by Emergence. For more information about Emergence, follow us on all social media platforms at Emergence World 